0: Older and I'm white. Yeah, well, you're half right. This is, is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. <laughs>
1: It is time to go home on a Monday with the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, and we've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Be safe. Might not be the kind of day where you want to take a look at your phone. Of course, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. But uh, one of those days where you better pay attention, keep the hands at 10 and 2 because it... It has some slick spots, and overnight is going to be when the worst of the weather moves in. So if you're planning on getting up and going anywhere tomorrow morning, might want to give yourself extra time, might want to also set up a backup plan. That's what I've been doing. I've got morning meetings. I had morning meetings scheduled at 8, 9, and 10 o'clock. And at this point, uh, I've gone uh, rescheduled, pending, and Zoom. There you go. So, yeah, still working on it.
2: Re-navigating those uh, slick roads? Uh, I mean, it looks like a pretty good
1: shot that it's going to be a little messy at some in some degree. So, uh, yeah, plan on that for tomorrow morning. And so if you've got kids, plan on them being home uh, because it uh, <laughs> doesn't look good. Already tonight, almost everything in the high school sports scene has been canceled yep. in our area. Uh, not much happening. So, uh, so be safe. Hang out and listen to us. Yep, we, uh, we've got another hour yet. In fact, coming up in about 15 minutes, you're not going to want to miss our conversation today with legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. And we will ask the question... What were you thinking?
2: (laughs) And we're going to phrase it exactly like that. (laughs) Hey, Don,
1: what were you thinking?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, he definitely made the rounds on Twitter over the weekend after Indiana's uh, loss and uh, C.J. Gunn being ejected. Well, uh, and
1: you know the last guy that's going to find out about what's on Twitter is Don Fisher. He will not know. He does not have any social media accounts. (laughs) His Now, he did say, he did give me this insight uh, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. that his wife will keep him up on anything that is relevant that he needs to know. Oh, that's sweet of her. Like if there's some kind of an announcement about, yeah. you know, coaching change, something he needs to know. I would imagine his wife was probably pretty busy on Saturday <laughs> letting him know, <laughs> Don, wake up. You might want to see
2: this.
1: (laughs) There's a few people talking about you. And, uh, in fact, there's enough people talking about you that you're on this column called Trending. (laughs) What is that? Yeah, What's Trending mean? Uh, I don't know what that is.
2: But, yeah, looking forward to hearing from Don about uh, what happened over the weekend.
1: Indiana, of course, lost to Wisconsin, something they do rather regularly. They Uh have not won in Wisconsin, I think, for 25 years. Ninety-eight. That would be 25-plus yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's been a while. But uh, C.J. Gunn, of course, the second player ejected after uh, Xavier Johnson was ejected a couple of weeks ago. How do you have players ejected? I mean, it's uh, just, you know, you've got to have such a lack of discipline. And that I guess that's the question. Uh, has Mike Woodson lost this team? I mean, that's our, our big question right now is, do you feel like this team is drifting away? Because sometimes when there's, you know, when there's not success that you expect to have, sometimes you start pointing fingers. And it's very easy for 15 guys in a locker room to point the finger at the coach. It's their fault. It's not me. It's their fault. Um, you know, and, and it causes that, that disengagement, that separation. I don't, I don't know the state of that locker room. I do have no inside sources giving me any information. But you do know that my opinion on it from two, three weeks ago is that this is not a team that has off-court chemistry, that this isn't a team that they hang out at barbecues on Friday night. And so I I just feel like there's a lack of a cohesiveness, and you've got to have that leadership to kind of control that. Who's the leader?
2: That's a good question. Who leads the locker room? And there's there's also just kind of a lot of big personalities all throughout the team, and and sometimes these big personalities that can be allowed to uh, sit and fester can grow into something kind of toxic.
1: You know, you've got a high profile recruit that comes in. You have a guy who's a top prospect transferring in from Oregon, and and you know, here come these guys. Are they gonna Are they gonna start listening to Trey Galloway, who's going to tell them what to do? I mean, I I don't know that. Because that's one of the things with having a system where freshmen become sophomores, sophomores become juniors, and you develop together and you don't have the transfer portal. That's one of the things you used to have was you would, as the guys were freshmen and sophomores, organically you would find out who are the leaders, who are the ones that everybody seems to, you know, be drawn to, that, that they listen to, that they respect. And by the time those guys are the seniors, they become your captains. I mean, they're the ones that are in charge of that locker room. They're in charge of the team, away from the coach. They, you know, conduct team meetings. They keep guys engaged and fired up. They keep them in line. They self-police. And sometimes a team needs that. And when it gets off track a little bit, you've got to have that. And I don't know. the, the, the I, Right now, I think everybody goes their own direction. Yeah. And, you know, Khalil Ware. Uh, McKenzie and Baco and Trey Galloway. I can't see them being the three guys that go grab a burger on uh, you know on a Monday night.
2: And Mike Woodson is not the type of coach who's going to kind of try and force Focus them to come together. No, yeah, no. Yeah.
1: So uh, anyway, also on X we have our poll, and so far it's a very close race. We were talking about the Kansas City fumble inside the one yesterday that got into the end zone and then drifted across the sideline just inside the pylon and went out of out of the end zone uh, that that rule gave Buffalo the ball at the 20. is it a fair rule is it the right way to handle that situation I say no I think what happens the ball goes back to the spot where the ball was fumbled you march it back 10 yards from that spot whether that's going to be a penalty whether it's a march off of course you know they run they have a 10 second runoff on the clock. Uh, similar to that, a 10-yard march-off, and then you give the ball back to the the offense. Because the defense did not recover it. I say in some ways, you know, yes, the offense made the mistake of fumbling, but if that ball would have gone out on the sideline before the pylon, they'd keep the ball and they'd be inside the one. And so how is it that a ball that's maybe a foot or two feet different In where it went out, one before the pylon, one after. And it completely changes the possession, the complexion, everything in the game. I say give it back to Kansas City. In that situation, Kansas City gets it. It's marked at uh, where he fumbled, which was just inside the one. And then the 10-yard march off takes it back to the 11. And I talked about this in the, uh, the first segment. But... We've got a poll. So if you want to weigh in, you can text us. You can leave us your comments at 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You can also uh, go to X at 1380 The Fan. We've got our poll up. Do you like the rule? Does it need to be changed? Yes or no?
2: Yeah, just taking a look at what we got right now here on X. uh, 45.5% say yes, change the rule and 45, 54.5% say no, keep the rule as it is.
1: So I've got to keep working my point <laughs> to, to swing that by another 5.6%, so I win. Uh, but yeah, so if you agree with me, you would say, yes, the rule needs changed. It's not right the way it is. And maybe you don't have to, to go with the way I recommend it being changed, but just something has to be addressed with that rule. That uh, a ball that bounces away on a fumble is not recovered before going out of bounds. Because in the field of play, if a ball is not recovered before going out of bounds, the offensive team, the team that fumbled, keeps the football. The defense has the responsibility to gain possession before it goes out of bounds. Why isn't it the same in the end zone? Why doesn't the defense have that same responsibility to recover the ball before it gets out of the end zone? It completely changes because of one little pylon. And that's what I'm saying. That's why the rule needs to be changed. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Hey, Purdue keeps doing Purdue things, and Zach Eadie keeps doing Zach Eadie things. Over the weekend, Purdue with an impressive win at Iowa. You know, four times in the game, uh, Iowa went three or more minutes without a single point. So wow. they had dry spells four different times, including the last four minutes and 22 seconds of the game. They did not score. <laughs> Purdue held them scoreless. And so any chance of a late rally by Iowa was certainly put to rest as Purdue wins the game 84-70 to 70 over the Iowa Hawkeyes in Iowa City. Purdue improves to 17 and 2, 6 and 2 in the Big Ten, while Iowa falls to 11 and 7, 3 and 4. Is Fran McCaffrey on a warm seat? He always acts like his seat's hot because he doesn't sit in it.
2: But, <laughs> yeah, he's always up out of his seat yelling at somebody. And yelling
1: at somebody. <laughs> Give me somebody I can yell at. But uh, anyway, so Purdue. I mean, not a lot to say. I mean, everybody's going to, you know, text the show and say, why don't you talk about Purdue? Why do you talk about Indiana? Because Indiana is the (laughs) storyline.
2: Yeah, because Purdue handles drama. You
1: know, Purdue has no drama. They go out, they win games, they play well doing so. Zach Eady now uh, three straight games, he's gone thirty plus. I, we got nothing to say. I mean, it's Purdue being Purdue.
2: You really can't talk about Purdue until they lose a game, honestly, because yeah. then you have
1: something to talk about. Yeah, or play poorly, or, yeah. or something that, you know, maybe somebody gets kicked out of a game, and we can ask Don what he thinks about it.
2: Uh, hey, <laughs> yeah, hey, Don. Hey,
1: Don. Uh, you know, I know you uh, are the Indiana broadcaster, but while well, we've got <laughs> you, what do you think about Purdue getting a guy kicked out? <laughs> but seriously, Purdue is is boring. Because they just go about business and they keep winning games convincingly. Mm -hmm. And there was not a serious challenge from Iowa. You always felt like Purdue was going to win because you could tell Purdue was a better team and they weren't playing poorly enough to lose that game. I kind of felt that way watching the Mastodons on Saturday. Mm. Unfortunately, Cleveland State turned it around. Uh, Mastodons dropped their fifth straight on Saturday and, you know, they really haven't had a blowout loss. They haven't had a game where they've just been dusted off the floor. And a lot of teams in the horizon league, if you look, they've had that 30 point loss, the 26 point loss, you know, and, and the Mastodons are competitive enough and they fight enough that they just do not get blown out. I mean, no. 16 point loss to, to uh, San Francisco, a, uh, a 14 point loss to, uh, to Pitt, Uh, In fact, if you look at the San Francisco game, it wasn't really a 16-point game. They were down by six with 7.41 left and kept it around 8.10 or 12. And it wasn't until the last minute or so where San Francisco extended the margin to win by 16. But, um, you know, you look at Wright State, yeah, they were down 21. But they then came on a furious rally and made it a seven-point game with a minute two left. Youngstown State, they were down 27. They closed it to within three points with just a couple minutes on the clock, uh, Robert Morris, they lost in overtime. So, I mean, it seems like every game, and then Saturday added to it, 15-point lead with about 11 minutes left. They just finished about 29 minutes of great basketball. They did everything they wanted to defensively. They took the best player on Cleveland State, who is a NBA prospect, who does have NBA scouts coming to the games. A 6'8 wing forward Uh and they, uh, they held him to single figures. He, he struggled to score, and, uh, and they ended up you know, getting out to that 15-point lead, but then a couple of insane three-pointers that had to be 30 feet plus from the basket, one of them just barely outside the center circle as they brought it up court. Uh, the point guard just launched it, and you think, boy, that's a bad shot, and then he made it. Yeah, when they go in, they're not so bad. And it it got the crowd going, and then a couple of steals, turnovers that kind of doomed the Mastodons as Cleveland State went on a rally to get it tied. And then it went back and forth for about four minutes, five minutes. Uh, Two-point game one way, two-point game the other way. And eventually it was Cleveland State that finished it over the last four minutes and got the seven-point win. But a tight competitive game. Cleveland State now 18 straight wins on their home court they haven't lost on their home court in over a year. And for the Mastodons, they'll try to regroup. They go down and take a team on that they beat already once this year at the Gates Center. That is Northern Kentucky. And they beat them 73-60. to 60. And they'll face them on Thursday night in Highland Heights, Kentucky, just across the river from Cincinnati. We'll be on the air with your pregame show at 6.45 and the tip at 7.00. All right, we'll uh, get a break in. Don Fisher is coming up on the other side. Hey, don't forget, Christopher James Menswear. Right now, they've got that huge sale going on. It is the big one. They're having uh, 50% or more on discounts of some of the current fashions in winter and fall merchandise. They've got to make room because new items are coming in for spring and summer. And they'll reward you with great discounts if you come out And check out the store right now. That's Christopher James Menswear. They're in Covington Plaza. And coming up tomorrow, Chris Lambert is going to be a guest host with me. It just so happens, Chris, I found, uh, like, both Lions fans in town. Hard to believe, right, Adam? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hello. You got Justin, who we had on. He's a huge Lions fan. Chris Lambert is a lifetime Detroit Lions fan. And And now
2: we've exhausted our list of Fort Wayne Lions fans.
1: I couldn't find any more. I think that's the end of it.
2: (laughs) But uh,
1: Chris is going to come in, and uh, he's going to interject on some of the thoughts he has about college uh, college basketball and, of course, the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about that, but he'll be here tomorrow. But uh, always great to have Chris. If you don't know Chris, uh, quite a personality. He will. In fact, he was on the trip to Cleveland State. We we took him along. He was my color man on radio, although I never turned his mic on.
2: <laughs> and the the other lion fan, I do have to shout out real quick before we go to break, Mike Maz. Oh, that's true. Mike Maz
1: is a uh, Detroit sports fan. Sent me a nice text earlier, so shout out, Mike. All right, uh, we got to uh, finish up. Christopher James Menswear, place to go see him. That's in Covington Plaza, West Jefferson, just a block west of Getz. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Romp along with Adam Lundy. And don't forget to join me tomorrow, 6 o'clock, right after the Sports Rush, live at the Mastodon Grill in the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, right across the Memorial Coliseum. It's the Mastodon's Coaches Show, weekly, 6 to 7 o'clock on Tuesdays. Coming up uh, tomorrow night, we'll be joined by men's basketball coach John Kaufman. Uh, Still... Uh, hopefully, getting a couple of more guests confirmed for tomorrow night. But we do know that men's basketball coach John Kaufman will be there—a big one coming up Thursday night at Northern Kentucky. And of course, on uh, Thursday, you can listen to all the action of the Mastodons and the Northern Kentucky Norse. It is the second meeting; Don's won at the Gate Center, 73 to 60, back at the end of December. It is the final January game on the Mastodon schedule, and you can hear. It's starting with the pregame show at 645 this Thursday on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Every week at this time, we get a chance to spend 15 minutes with legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Don Fisher. What a week it has been, and uh, it is called our 15 Minutes with Fish the Hoosiers go to Wisconsin, and as is typical at the Kohl Center, they fall to the Wisconsin Badgers on Friday night, 91-79. to 79. Uh, The game was only part of the story on Friday, and it might be a good thing you don't have a social media account because uh, during the broadcast, one of the comments you made saying that you've never said this on air in 51 years, I'm embarrassed for this team. It certainly went viral among Hoosiers fans, but what I want to know, is can you put it into context? What you were referring to? Because everybody obviously has their take on it, and they want to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, whether it's this, that, the other thing. What exactly was that
0: comment about? The comment was primarily about two players getting kicked out in four ball games uh, with flagrant twos, and it was not meant to disparage the rest of the team. It was not meant to disparage the coaching staff or the university for that matter it was in relation to the fact that we had never had two players kicked out of ball games in the same season much less in a four in a two week span um, and here's the thing this boils down to individuals and their actions um, obviously the the uh, the Xavier Johnson getting thrown out of the ball game at Rutgers uh, because of what he did, CJ Gunn getting tossed out of the Wisconsin ball game for what he did. Um, these guys have to be smart enough that they've they got to understand that it's, it's an emotional game. It's not a game in which emotions don't play a part. They do. And you've got to be strong enough mentally to deal with that. If you're getting beat, you can't let your emotions uh, run away with you, which in, in this case, both cases, it did. You can't play that way. Uh, it just hasn't ever happened in Indiana. We've had one other player in my 50-plus years that's kicked out of a ball game. That happened in Tom Crean's first or second year. I can't remember the year uh, with a player. Uh, Devin Dumas was his name. And he got booted for doing something just like Xavier Johnson did. And that's the only other player in my 50-plus years at Indiana doing something like that. So... Uh, my point was this is an embarrassing situation especially for these players and what they've done to soil so to speak the reputation of indiana basketball and it wasn't against any coach it wasn't against any coaches it wasn't against any other players it was simply a statement that it was embarrassing and I, i don't i feel bad that it's Taken out of the context and the sense of what I was meaning, but I probably could explain myself a little bit better.
1: Yeah, you uh, you did mention it had nothing to do with the score, so I, right. you know to complete what you actually said. And uh, but yeah, well I uh, think
0: people I think people took it like I was disparaging the team and the way they were playing and that's not true. Yeah, like I mean, the
1: team did not embarrass you. The coaching staff doesn't embarrass you. That right. and that's how it was received by some and of course, you know everybody wants to take it as a Don Fisher indictment on this group of players, this uh, coaching staff. And that's why I thought, hey, we, we need to get clarity here on the context behind that statement.
0: Well, I appreciate you doing that and asking me about it because there's no doubt that's, I did not mean it in relation to anything but the two players that got booted out of ball games. Um, and my, my feeling on that is this, they, they've got to take responsibility for their actions and you can't place their actions on the rest of the team or the program, but that's how people do look at it. And that's, that was my point. I was just embarrassed for the university in that context. Uh,
1: this is a little bit of uh, you know just getting a small peek uh, out a really big window or into a, little, a really big window. But the, I guess the question is, is this a sign that there's a discipline issue, that this team doesn't have discipline, and that, that Mike Woodson's lost control of this group?
0: I don't think that is the case at all. Um, I, I know how my coaches, I've watched him, I've been to practices. I don't think that's the case. I, I think this is a ball club right now that's floundering because they're not winning. And they're not winning the way people want them to win. Uh, social media is just crazy. And, and I've never been on any social media platform in my entire life. And I saw where my where my comments were just they went viral. I guess <laughs> is the term they use, or they were trending. You didn't have to are.
1: you didn't have to search very far to find them. Let's put it
0: yeah, that way. Exactly. And like I said, I've never been on social media, but I do now know that i will probably never be on social media again in the sense of uh, making a statement that's so volatile so to speak in in the way it was uh presented so it it was it's my mistake in how i presented it and i should have said it differently but unfortunately i did not and of course uh, now we know what happens when you do that
1: let's talk about the basketball game itself uh i i thought indiana had moments where they really looked like they were going to compete and uh but then things kind of got away from them a little bit. What did you see?
0: Well, with no question. I mean, uh, what what Indiana did in the second half of the game against Wisconsin was pretty impressive. I mean, they scored 53 points in the second half of the ballgame after having only 26 in the first half. The problem with that is that Wisconsin had that big lead at halftime, uh, and Indiana cut into it initially in the second half but they couldn't continue it especially at the defensive end of the floor and that has been the biggest issue with this team i think brad Uh, i think this ball club mike woodson preaches defense first it has been that way since he got on campus as the new coach uh... we saw that in the first two years he was in indiana the defensive play was really good most of those two seasons and and there was always a game or two that you're not going to play your best uh... those kinds of things but this ball club really struggles at the defensive end of the floor and have done so in so many games this year and i think primarily their biggest issue right now is the defensive end of the court because we said we didn't really see any defense in the second half of that game not only from not from indiana but from wisconsin their defense wasn't very good either but the the damage was done in the first half of that ball game
1: how big of a loss was it not having khalil ware out there for the wisconsin game
0: well, obviously it hurt. There's no question about that. Where is the second leading scorer on this basketball team? He's their best rebounder. Uh, that certainly played a factor in the ball game too. But the, I, I give Peyton Sparks credit. The kid has not played very many minutes in any ball game this year uh, in that particular contest. Uh, Peyton, I think, played, yeah, almost 30 minutes in the game, 29 minutes and 7 seconds. So he, and I thought he fought his tail off. I think he did a lot of good things, but... Uh, you're just if not Khalil Ware and Khalil Ware is a rebounder and and uh, Peyton had two boards in this ball game. He only had seven points. I again I give him credit for battling out there, but he hasn't played that many minutes either. And and he gave a heck of an effort. I think Mike Woodson was really pleased with what he brought to the table in relation to Khalil being out. But at the same time, Indiana didn't have their best group out there on the floor.
1: Indiana has a week. Uh, this is an oddity in the schedule. Eight-day yeah. break between games because of the Friday night contest. and then not playing again until Saturday afternoon. They'll be at Illinois. I guess if you're Mike Woodson, and I know you don't claim to be a coach and often don't try to be a coach, but I'm going to try to get you there uh, if you're <laughs> Mike Woodson. What, what do you do with this week? What are the things that you really want to focus on to take advantage of the stretch run?
0: I really think that this ball club has to work at the defensive end of the court. Uh, I, I think they've got to do that. I think they have to look in the mirror as well uh, and decide what they want to do uh, as a basketball team. I think collectively they have to look in the mirror and say, we're not playing our best basketball right now. How do we get back to doing that? And it, can we get back to doing that? That's that's where this ball club right now, where the rubber is going to meet the road. Are they going to play their best the rest of the season? Are they going to fall apart and not be able to win ball games that they should win? And I'm not saying that they're as talented as some of the other teams in the league, but they do have talent on this basketball team. They're capable of beating somebody. You can't play a game like you did against Kansas, even though you lost. You can't play that well in one ball game and then not put that kind of same effort into the games the rest of the season. Uh I think that's where they've got to get to. I think this week is one of those reflection weeks as much as it is practice week. Uh Don,
1: do you know if this is Indiana's admin week in Cancun or something because I just looked at the women's schedule, they don't play till Sunday either. What's going on down there in Bloomington?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> Indiana has no control over the Big Ten schedule, and and that's why whatever the reasons behind this is, it's got nothing to do with IU. It's got everything to do with the Big Ten Conference.
1: Okay, well, it is kind of uh, odd that you have the week off for both men's and women's basketball. But I do want to talk real quick, women's basketball, before we let you go. The incident with Caitlin Clark, the court storming, a lot's being made about whether they need to put an end to court storming and how it has to be handled. What are your thoughts on court storming?
0: Well, I understand uh, fans' frenzy with with an upset win, that kind of thing. I get it. But it, I think they've got to put ropes up and they've got to have security there. That these kids should not be harmed by a bunch of people running out on the floor and knocking somebody down. That, that should not happen. And um, I, I, you know, I, I understand the exuberance and all those kinds of things. We've had it happen in Indiana. Thank God nobody's gotten hurt. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's it is a it's a it's a scenario that can happen. And Caitlin Clark is. is Without question, the best college women's player in the country, and some would argue the best in the country, period. So the last thing you want to see is a kid get hurt. And therefore, I don't think court storming is something that should be allowed.
1: Uh, You know, it's so tough for me because I think it's everything that's great about college basketball is that connection between the teams and the students. I just wish... Number one, no team should have to cross the court to get to their locker room. Right, exactly. That should not happen. And number two, everybody knows when the court's being stormed. They don't come running out when you've beaten a team that's uh, 10 and 12. So... You know, they've got a chance to set up a security measure in case. And uh, and it just seemed like that time everybody, it was a free-for-all. And that's where I have the problem. I think it's going to happen. It's going to be tough to stop. And I love the part of it with college basketball. They've just got to make sure there's a safe pathway for the players to get to the locker room. I agree. Uh, That's how I feel. Don, talk to you next week. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Thanks, Brad. Yep. That is Don Fisher joining us here on the Sports Rush. Of course, it's our 15 minutes with Fish. We get a chance to chat with Don Fisher every Monday at this time. And uh, good time to talk to Don after uh, the comments that came out on friday night and continued well into saturday and uh, i know it's a, a little bit of a lengthy time period before we get a chance to get him on the show to talk about it but i did want to give him a chance to put it into context because i know don well enough to know that that is an indictment on this group of 15 players and this coaching staff that there was something specific he was referencing that wasn't made clear in uh, the post so i'm glad he had a chance to clarify that we'll take a time out we'll come back monday edition of the sports rush on 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm great conversation with don fisher today of course we have fish every monday 5:20. it's our 15 minutes with the legendary hall of fame broadcaster of the indiana hoosiers don fisher Four six eight six two Sparkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Also, we are talking about the fumble rule. When you fumble into the end zone and it goes out of bounds, uh, should that rule be changed rather than giving it to the defense at the twenty on a touchback? The defense doesn't recover it; it goes out of bounds. Should it stay offense football? I say take it back to where he fumbled it. March it back ten yards from there and it cost the offense the down of the play. A lot of people don't seem to agree with me. Uh, They want to keep it as it is. They think that it works out fairly. But what's our poll say? We've got a poll running right now on X.
2: Yeah, so if you want to vote on this poll, it's do you think that the fumble out of the end zone rule in the NFL should be changed? Currently at 30 votes with 43.3% saying, yes, change it. And 56.7% voting, no, keep the rule as it is. I don't know
1: what it says, that every time I come on and explain my side more clearly, (laughs) more people decide they want to keep the rule as it is. Uh, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So over the weekend, you just heard us talk to Don Fisher about it. Had a situation actually yesterday in Columbus at Ohio State where the Buckeyes knocked off the Iowa Hawkeyes. And after the game, of course, a court storming. I don't even know if it was appropriate for Ohio State to storm the court because you had two of the top programs in the Big Ten going head to head. It's not like you had a monumental upset, which I think that's when you should storm the court, is when it is, you know, a team that maybe hasn't won in a while, hasn't beaten somebody in a while. It's a unranked opponent versus a top 5 opponent
2: yeah it's it's you're number 12 in the country you're number
1: 12 in the country and you're playing the the number what 5 at the time i think or 2 or whatever they were yeah i think the they were i think they were number 2 or 3 i think they were 3 in the country okay but yeah but you know you're <laughs> you, you should expect that it's going to be a close game and it shouldn't be a huge surprise if you win but here's the thing here here's my thoughts on it first of all I think court storming is one of the things that makes college sports special. I think, you know, honestly, I know it's probably not great for administrators to hear this, but I don't mind tearing down the goalpost. I think rushing the field, (laughs) all that stuff, I think, is so much fun with college sports because you have all these uh, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds. That, uh, that show you know, affection for the university and their sports team, and they attended the event to support their fellow student-athletes. I'm like, let them have their moment and enjoy it, okay? College brings on a lot of stress. In fact, it's even more stressful after you leave college when you've got student loans to pay back. But uh, while you're at that university and you're supporting the athletic programs and you attend an event, you should be able to release a little bit of stress and enjoy a big victory, now, number one, it should be a big victory. Don't be stupid and storm the court every time your team wins. That uh, that defeats the purpose of the court storming. But the thing is, every university should have an idea before the game, is this going to be a court storming opportunity for this particular game? I mean, you had to know it was a chance that it would happen at Ohio State. Maybe it's not appropriate, but there's still a chance it's going to happen. Sure. But anytime you're hosting a big time program, especially Iowa, that right now is kind of on the top podium of women's college basketball because of Caitlin Clark. You ought to have a plan in place. That number one provides protection for the visiting team. That's number one, first and foremost. What are we going to do with the visiting team? If their locker room is across the court and where they've been coming in and out of the arena is across the other side of the court from where their bench is. You've got to figure out how do we get them out of the arena without taking them across the court. Uh, that's number one. Number two is, uh, is to provide some kind of a buffer zone so that the fans who do storm the court can't interact with that team. And when I say buffer zone, I'm saying a line of security, uh, a double rope situation where you have two ropes instead of one. If you have one, then the fans can come and push into the rope and still be right there in the faces of the opponent. You've got to give them their own space. They just got beat. It's obviously a tough loss, and, it's, and sometimes emotions run high. Let them off the court. What happened with Caitlin Clark? She was walking or jogging across the court, heading toward her locker room, and got run over or collided with. I think it's more collided with a fan who was also running the opposite direction. They didn't see each other coming. They collided. Uh, Both of them went down. The fan bounced right back up. Caitlin Clark... Uh, rolled around in agony, complete agony, just uh, devastated on the floor. I, I think she had kind of exaggerated what happened. I don't think she's truly injured. I'll take this back if she is. But, but the point is, I think she was drawing it out to bring attention to the fact that the players weren't being protected. And uh, I, I think, number one, locker rooms have to be on the same side or the exit has to be on the same side as the bench. Number two, there has to be a double buffer zone so that when those teams are exiting, they're a good three, four feet from any potential fan getting in their face, interacting with them, or being within physical contact distance. You don't want uh, you know you don't want a a player that's running high on emotion uh, on an impulse to take a swing at a fan who gets in their face. Okay, and and so it's not a surprise that someone storms the court. Nobody should be shocked. You should all have a pretty good idea. When it's going to happen, because it's your team that's going to storm the court. I have not seen a visiting cheering section of all 15 or 20 fans go mob the court after a game. It doesn't happen. (laughs) So it's your team. It's your fan base. You know what kind of hype there is around this game where students camped out, where they, you know, did... Uh, was it a sellout crowd when it normally isn't a sellout crowd? You know the games that are considered by the fans to be the big games, and there's potential after the game to storm the court. Put some smart security measures in place so that there's not interaction between those players and the fans. Period. That's it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, the high school sectional draw is out for the girls really not much to talk about but we'll only have a minute to do it anyway we'll come back it's a sports rush at 1380 the fan and 100.9
2: fm this is maria marcasano head women's basketball coach at purdue fort wayne and you're listening to the sports rush with brett rump on 1380 the fan and 100.9
1: fm be one of those nights where it's not too bad to get to bed early because there's not a whole lot of sports happening tonight College basketball, top 25. Wake Forest at North Carolina and Cincinnati at Kansas. That's it. Doesn't exactly excite me about turning on the TV tonight. Uh, right here on the radio, we've got the Matt Painter Show coming up at 6.05. Also, that uh, has IU Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson following at 7.05, hosted by Don Fisher. Well, the girls' high school basketball sectional draw is complete. That got done yesterday, so now we know who plays who, when, and where, who got the buys, who might be destined to meet for a championship, and by the way, if you're looking forward to it, Homestead Columbia City, which I think will be the marquee matchup of girls' high school basketball sectionals, that would be a championship game should they both survive. Big thanks to our guests that appeared on the show today, including Justin Cohn from the Journal-Gazette. Got a chance to talk about his Lions. And thanks, as always, to Don Fisher, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, joined us for the 15 Minutes with Fish. That does it for a Monday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.